We spent a lot of time uh, talking about uh, the announcement today by Premier David Eby and Prime Minister Trudeau uh, regarding BC Builds and with $4 billion. But uh, there's lots more going on in politics today. As expected, the throne speech uh, was delivered by BC's Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin. And of course, um, that speech focused heavily on the province's future housing needs. Um, Ms. Austin began by emphasizing the actions the government is taking and will continue to take will boost the number of middle-class homes available in the province. Take a listen to Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin. For generations, there was an unspoken promise. If you worked hard, got an education, and played by the rules, you could make a good middle-class living and be able to afford a decent home. About three decades ago, that started to change. In the name of austerity, governments at all levels stopped investing in affordable housing. Wealthy speculators, foreign investors, and big developers rushed to fill the void. For far too long, we also saw the proceeds of illegal activity parked in BC's real estate market. Housing costs went up, and in recent years, the combination of inflation, interest rate hikes, and a lack of supply has only made the situation harder for people looking to buy or rent a home. That was Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin speaking a couple of hours ago. Of course, uh, that is just the throne speech, gives you a sense of where the province is headed. There will be a budget as well. Then then you can actually put some hard numbers as to what the government will focus on this year. And of course, this is all occurring in an election year. So everything is very much heightened as we head into this spring session. Joining me now to talk a little bit about what we can expect is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Keith, welcome. Hey, Jazz. So your thoughts on all this, a lot of focus on housing, but there's also uh, talk about infrastructure, uh, BC Hydro, uh, energy, healthcare. Your take on all this? So first of all, phone speeches rarely produce really detailed nuggets of news. It's more like a general roadmap of where the government's been and where it's going to head over the next uh, year or so. So mostly general, very general um, comments and, and suggestions and clues and hints. So you're right, a lot of talk about health care, um, a lot of talk about housing. Housing got a, a fair amount. And the economy all, always gets a major share. But you're always looking for clues. And one clue and one message that stuck out to me was this, a section of the speech that said, uh, the government makes a simple commitment to you. It will have your back. So you're not facing these new challenges alone because leaving people to fend for themselves does not work. That's in keeping with the housing announcement recently last week and again this morning, where suddenly the government is in a, views itself as a, a vehicle to provide aid, not just to low-income people, but to the so-called missing middle. And for the first time, you're seeing governments embrace this need or this agreement that people who earn as much as, in David Eby's words, as much as almost $200,000 a year in terms of family income may need government assistance, whether it comes to uh, from uh, housing or perhaps through some expanded financial uh, aid packages. We're going to see that in the budget, see how far that extends. But the fact that you got two levels of government spending $4 billion on housing for people who have six-figure incomes 
is a huge shift in, in uh, public policy. Yeah. And that was reflected in the Toronto speech as well. And let's put that in context for our listeners. The, the, the BC Builds program specifically, where they hope to build uh, homes on underused public lands, the income threshold for, for those homes, those are three and four bedrooms, by the way, not one bedroom, so three to four bedrooms. The threshold is $84,000 for a single income and 191000 for a household income. Now, today, Housing Minister Ravi Kailan also talked about the government's plan to protect renters from, as he called it, bad faith evictions. Let's take a listen to him. We know that there's uh, more and more people now finding themselves in very difficult situations, uh, sometimes homeless, homelessness, uh, because we have uh, some landlords that uh, say they're using their place for a family member, but end up using it for um, just bringing somebody else in at higher rents. So we need to make sure we find a balance between uh, having the ability for a homeowner to have a loved one come into their place when they need it, but also ensure that the, the rules that are there uh, for the right reasons, are not being abused. And so legislation will be coming forward to help strengthen that important piece. Keith, what do you make of that? I mean, generally, as you say, uh, throne speeches are broad in general, but uh, if I'm working for the Landlords Association, you hear that and you go, what the heck is going on? Well, I mean, the uh, post-throne speech uh, scrums is where we get some of the detail. Mm -hmm. And that's where Ravi Kailan, the government house leader, started to provide some detail. So we expect to get, that might be in the budget, it might have to wait, but again, we've been told there are 20 bills, this is from the Premier, uh, in the session dealing with issues such as housing, affordability in general, and public safety, and healthcare. So uh, yeah, that would fit where the government's headed. I mean, the government's shown it intends to be very activist in the housing sector. So if you're a landlord, you, sh- you should be surprised by the fact that the government has signaled that it considers not just home ownership to be an issue, but renting, because rents are so out of control in much of BC, particularly Metro Vancouver, they're unaffordable for people earning even six-figure income. So, yeah, if you're a landlord that's engaging in some questionable practices, uh, you better think twice. Yeah, what I found interesting, I remember during the 2017 legislative session, and maybe it was the campaign of 2017, then-premier or then-candidate John Horgan was saying a high income was about $70,000 for a single person. And now you have the NDP talking about 85000 for a single person up to 194000 This is a whole different NDP, isn't it? I mean, they really are focusing on that middle, uh, middle class uh, it's, it's, it's voter. It's a, it's a historic shift for this party. Um, to again, the, the go back to the, the government of the 90s, or even as you say, the Horgan government, most of the aid programs, financial packages, are sort of um, income uh, t- means tested, and it tapped out at seventy, eighty thousand a year. And there's a recognition now, as the evidence mounts, that again, people earning six figures in Metro Vancouver, when you're paying, you know, sixty percent of your take-home pay or seventy percent on rent alone. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to be able to fund or afford a really good lifestyle, not just for you, but for your family and your kids as well. So this is a big shift. It's a significant one. And we'll see how big it is when we see the budget on Thursday. I'm looking for um, some sort of energy-tied payback, sort of a rebate 
and also an expansion of some existing programs to allow people who earn more than the old figure of 70000 or 80000 to now qualify for some of these programs. Uh, as an aside, I just wanted to ask, because I have uh, BC1 in, on in the studio, and I, I saw Kevin Falcon up responding to the throne speech, then I saw John Rustad. At what point does the press gallery go, who's the official opposition? I know what the official opposition is, BC United, but the polling would tell you it's actually BC Conservatives. At what point do you guys say, okay, what's John Rustad say, and which is probably more important than what uh, Kevin Falcon is saying? Well, you know, we've amongst ourselves talked about that. What, at what point is the alternative voice? Right now, it's, uh, you know, those two plus the Green Party. Um, although, interesting, I didn't think the Green Party had a response, but today we were, got emails about Falcon and Rustad. Everything was turned on its head because the whole thing was late because there was a protest here. The lieutenant governor couldn't get in the traditional way. Uh, but that's an interesting question. It'll be, and, we'll, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the session, Jazz. It, it, you, you can be sure John Rustad is already showing signs that he considers himself and his party to be on equal footing as BC United, both in terms of procedures in the House and speaking time and all this such, and he's going to insist on equal time when it comes to scrums. Key, thank you. All right, take care.